And welcome to the Still Telling It Like It Is program. I'm Apostle Baker J. Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. And I am so excited. Share the button. Share with people. Call your friends, your enemies, your non-believers, believers, and all of those. Call people that like to be controversial because I have somebody that is going to uh, just, just really yank your chain, you know, just make you think. I mean, provoke you to think. He's a friend of mine. He's uh, uh, powerful in history. He's, um, I mean, you know, even in theology and all of that, you know, he has degrees and all of those things, which, you know, uh, still lets him be who he is. It's Apostle Barry Cook. Come on, Barry. He's one that I love, I honor, and I respect. And uh, I like him. I really like him. I like hanging out with him. So anyway, go for it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, Dr. Baker. And for all those that uh, helped to put the program together, I know sometimes um, we can get um, glitches with electronics and other things that go on. And you guys are overcomers and love the excellence that you uh, do your work with. And as we continue down this field, you know, I'm excited about it. I love talking about the strength of the church, blowing the wind of God inside of the church. We've been talking last time, we talked a little bit about from the perspective of understanding that God is trying to grow his people from, you know, baby Jesus stage to on into, you know, the, the fulfillment of their vision and assignment in the earth. And for the joy set before them, may they endure the crosses that, that are before them. And um, of course, the first thing that Jesus did as he got mature was um, um, he joined a team. He gathered a team. He started a team. He founded a team in the disciples in order to, um, bring us into something uh, greater to prepare us for the church age that that he had the Old Testament prophets talked about. Many of the Old Testament people spoke of concerning the New Testament and were waiting on this incident. He tells the disciples beforehand to wait in Jerusalem, tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power. That's the King James Version. Wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes up on you which I love that word up on, you know, come up on you. It's like, whoa, he ain't just in your climate. He's up on you, all over you. I like it. And they had cloven tongues of fire over all of their heads, including Mother Mary, and they're all speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Nobody knew what was going on. Tongue talking. Oh, look at Mary. She praying in tongues. Hallelujah. All of them were. Praise God. So I think all the Catholics would be tongue talkers. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but uh, we understand that there was all these different kinds of people. We get to the book of Acts, and and now the day of Pentecost happens. They come out of there, man. They're preaching. They're going. They found churches. Of course, the Jerusalem church is founded, and in the Jerusalem church, it's got beautiful characteristics, and then they had limitations, and, and I can talk about that another day. I'm just on the Antioch one because a particular thing that transpired last week, I guess it was, where people were, had a couple people on Zooms that were talking about, we don't need to have a Jerusalem pattern. We don't need to have an Antioch pattern. Of course we don't. 
But that's what history teaches us. We look at history to learn what to do and what not to do. That's what history is all about. We don't do away with it because we don't like a portion of it or hide it or cut it out of history. That does not help us grow. We have to grow. We don't just cut somebody out when three quarters of their life was good and, you know, a quarter was wrong or racist or whatever. You're wrong for cutting down. No, one of the things that you just said that just, oh, you shouldn't have said it. Because one of the things that really just burps my, any rate, is that here it is. We're trying to cut out so much history. We're trying to make it seem like everything that was done before uh, everything was all about oppressing, oppressing groups of people, oppressing this, oppressing this, oppressing this. There's been a lot of great things that have happened in this in, in the nation. You know, I look at things. There's great things that happened about everything. Uh, you know, people say, well, there was nothing good about slavery. I beg to differ. When they sold my people over there, uh, one good thing was about it. I was born in the United States of America, and my 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 ancestors made it seem made, uh, showed me just how strong they were. They came over like like sardines, okay, and then they went through all this slavery and all this stuff. Why? Why did they do this? Because they knew that one day I would be here. And they did all of that for me. So I don't want to suppress history. I don't want to suppress uh, uh, biblical history. I don't want to suppress natural history. I think that we should be able to look at it with a critical mind and being able to talk about it and think about it. So that threw me. I mean, I hope I didn't throw you off. But no, this is one of the no. things you know, I don't like that. I don't use that word racism because the only racist there is is the devil. But, oh, my God, a lot of these people are so filled with him until... That's what they that's what they spew. So any rate, that was my little rant. And yeah. I'll, I'll let you well, get back to where you were. And, and you know, I understand fully the extent of racism in America. I understand it. I I mean, to the best of my ability, you know what I'm saying, from history and from other people's stories and from going to you know, reliving it and listening intensely and hearing the things I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I also understand that black people sold black people to white people. I, I also understand that though. That's right. That's right. See, I understand that too. And Mexican people and Asian people and white people, white people were slaves too. Did you know that there was some white, white slaves people well? sold white people too. I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about. What group of people were not slaves and what people did not turn on their own people? Please help me with this. Oh, help me, Jesus. I mean, crooked, I know. <laughs> crooked people are crooked people. Good people no are good people. And um, that's the bottom line. Again, it goes back to it. If, if you look at the whole picture, it just gives you like, oh, doggone. Okay, it was wrong, but there's a whole lot of other problems that are going on too that are much bigger and broader than that. Yes. And in my new book, The Spirit of the Fear of the Lord in You, it talks about this. So it is controversial. But, you know, if we don't deal with some controversial stuff, we're going to be walking with our heads in the sand and our behinds sticking up, acting like an ostrich. So anyway, get back to the audience. We got down to the stable and and they're looking at the, the picture. You look at those, you know, American pictures, which I know they're not true to the circumstance. Um, however, they're not as far from it as I hear people say also, you know, well, there wasn't actually three wise men. I know there was two and then they had 12 people in contingency. 
and had to sneak out. So they didn't get the same kind of coverage that normally they would get. Normally they get to travel. People say, well, they all traveled with all these amount of, not in their case, read what it says. And the king asked them to go by night. He didn't, he didn't, he trying to, he wasn't trying to advertise that he was supporting it. I'm anyway, but I'm like, I just listen sometime. I'm like, oh yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. You should read the Bible sometime, though. It helped the story get better. But anyway, um, the, the but but we get back to this. One of the things I love about the story, and, 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 and I love it, because Jesus' birth is an example of all these different characters and people from all these different nations, Gentiles. You got kings, you got paupers, you got peasants, you got barns, you got stables, you got golds, you got all of this stuff. That's the kingdom of God. That's the New Testament church. When I'm trying to talk about an Antioch, uh, one of the characteristics of the Antioch church that we need not forget about or brush it off as being irrelevant is the fact that it was, it exemplified for the first time what Jesus meant. Uh, to do, and that was unite these together and have all nations and all people working together for the same purpose, and that was to worship the Lord. These wise men didn't come putting on a talent show. They weren't up there. Hold on, we we put together a number for you. Uh, would you like to hear an A and B selection or just the A? I mean, no, <laughs> angels we have heard on high. We saw them angels today. Yes, we did. You know, they told us to come here, huh? sweetly singing all the planes. Well, I mean, you know, we couldn't think of anything that rhymes, so we said the planes. I mean, you know, they're coming on the scene, and they're all coming together. This was just like Antioch. They get there. They got all these people together. He's exemplifying a prophetic picture of where we needed to get to. But see, Jesus had to grow even into that picture. And, you know, he's laying down with goats and lambs. I don't know if they were there or not, but you give me a picture and I'll make something prophetic out of it. I'm just telling you, <laughs> Lord Jesus, don't be throwing, tell me, and I see the devil. I'm like, you know how people share those pictures? They see, you see the devil or the angel. I'm like, I see both, but I, I'm going to choose to see that angel. It's like, I always, when I look at those pictures, I'm like, yeah, I see both the pictures of the man and the woman, but but, you know, I'll choose this part or whatever. You know, it's the same thing. They came together predominantly to fast and pray. They were spiritually centered, not just, hey, we're going to start a church plan. Who would like to come? You know, they were spiritually centered on the mission that they were doing. The will of God was going to be done in their lives. The, the leaders weren't just like, well, I was a deacon in my last church. The leaders were coming to help. Let me pick up the rope and, and make this thing happen with you. I'll pull my load. Will these guys pull their load? That's one of the reasons sometimes, well, I'll be careful on this one. But there's times when I work with groups and I, I wait to see how much everybody else is going to pull up the rope. Not how much they're talking, but how much actually do you pick up the rope? And, and you know, so I don't feel pressure by them. <laughs> they might think I'm stubborn sometimes thinking, you really want me to talk or I should probably just hush? Because in my other day, early days, I'd have run my mouth. Now I'm just like, no, I'm good. You know, let's go. But, but you got to understand, these guys desired to change their region. They were not just 
we just come together to worship. We're just so thankful that we get the chance that we're saved and we just get to stay. That you never see one meeting in the Bible where they stopped at kindergarten and kept it there and magnified it in the scriptures. I'm sure they had times, soaking times. They shouldn't talk about it because it wasn't the big dog. It wasn't the big game. That's preparation for the game. That ain't the game. That's you preparing yourself and getting yourself in line so you can execute and follow what you need to right and correctly. That ain't, don't have nothing to do with you fulfilling the business of God and the earth. And that's why we got all these sissy churches. <laughs> that's why we accept sissies everywhere. Because <laughs> we got sissy accepting folks. They got sissy guys. <laughs> Cal would be giving me a hard time right now. We got, we got, we got sissy prophets who are all about money and all about tight pants and, you know, wearing, you know, having the ankles showed they're barefooted with a 400 pair of shoes on. So, but we're not supposed to pay attention to you, but shut up. I mean, all of that foolishness with the world mixed all in it. I mean, I think, I'm thinking, now I understand why they started putting robes on folks. <laughs> Like Lord Jesus, son, you know, get out there, you know. <laughs> cover yourself, Jesus. What's going on? But this is a pattern. The pattern is these teams, people working together and and desiring to have a divine visitation from the Lord. Because when they have this mindset, that's when the Lord they ministered to the Lord in that manner. Then and fasted, and that's when the Holy Spirit moved on them and said, "Separate me, these two guys, for the work which I've called them." And boom, now they're being sent out because in obedience to the Lord's will, these other leaders laid the hands on them, they blessed them, they sent them, and they prayed over them to leave. Now, let me say why I'm on this point. There is people that say sometimes, well, the, see, the Antioch church didn't have a set leader. Therefore, that's the pattern for the New Testament. Again, this was one step because we see just a couple of years later, they called for Barnabas to come and take the lead role. Then they called for Paul to take the lead role. They still ran the church, but they knew that there was, they needed a, there was a, <laughs> There was a set man missing. You know, they knew that. They knew they all had a grace. They had things going before these guys came along. But what they realized is they had to, if they wanted apostolic upgrades, they had to get people that knew something they didn't know or contained something that they didn't have. And then these leaders had to be mature enough not to act like they were better than everybody and understand that they were servants first. That's a difference in, in then and now, too. And the, and, and the apostles were constantly ripping these guys for making sure they were humble, making sure they were serving. But he also ripped them if they didn't speak straight. That's the dichotomy I keep talking about. When we started out this, we we're talking about the commands of the Lord. There'd be no miracles without commands. There's not hardly any healing in the Bible that happened without a command. And I mean, and people just you say in the word command, I command you. Like, stop, stop, stop. No, no, no. You know, your male toxic conversation has offended me. And Lord Jesus, you know, and it's like that could come from a female. Well, you have a you have a male toxic spirit on you. Okay. I 
Yeah, I think a male toxic spirit is somebody. How come the feminists aren't mad at the trans transsexuals? Because they're dressing up like them and getting their rights and their attention and they're getting their money that they're trying to get and they're taking it from them and they ain't even real real women. And, and, and they're taking over their sporting events. Where's the feminist speaking up going, get in your own lane, buddy? I mean, you know, I don't understand that. I guess I'm a feminist in that aspect. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? That You men infringing on the women. That's toxic masculinity. And they dressing up to look like you, to sneak in. And then don't get me started. We ought to just all steal baggage at the, at the airport anyway. <laughs> yeah, if y'all don't watch the news, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, in, a, in obedience, I'm talking about one of Biden's staff. But anyway, in obedience to, you know, the transvestite, the ball when they took the, you know, yeah, I just want to make sure. I don't want to talk about it, though. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> in obedience to the Lord's will, the other leaders, they bless them, they lay hands on them. Why is this important? Because governmental elders were set in place. Do you understand when we talk about governmental orders, when the Bible says that there's governments, that means there's a structure. You can't hate structure. Because if there's governments, that means God has a divine structure. That means if a there's divine structure, that means there has to be authority. If there's uh, authority, that means there has to, and there's structures, that means there has to be delegated authority. So that's why training has to be proper and why our people have to become open to hear the voice of the Lord in our downline leaders, the leaders that we've commissioned. Now, the problem is, is we just lightly ask people to do stuff. And in the Bible, they laid hands on them and they commissioned them to something. And, and well, we don't, I don't need you to do that in front of all the people. It's not about the people and it's not about what you feel. It's about us recognizing that we stand before God under heaven and, and are believing that you will carry an anointing to fulfill the mission. And you won't be led by your flesh when your flesh says, I'm tired. You won't be led by your flesh when it says, I'm mad at Pratt Preacher. I don't like that. I think he was talking about me this Sunday. So I'm not going to participate and I'm going to say nasty things to my team. He's talking about you got to have enough on you to understand that's maturity to accept that role. Hallelujah, my Lord Jesus. And, you know, I, I hope you understand. The reason I talk on this stuff is because I'm trying to harness a generation of people back into God and into understanding the ways of God. And, and then we as leadership have to quit. People say, yes, but what about the control? Okay. We're wise to it now. We know what it is. We know what it's not. And, and I, once again, I want to say, if it's not unethical, if it's not immoral, if it's not unscriptural, that is your personal opinion. And so you need to submit. If it is one of these three things, then there's an order for dealing with them. And that is not running your mouth. That's not getting on the phone. That's not crying. That's not uh, calling folks and complaining. That's not causing a, calling people to your house to start. That's you first spending time in prayer. That's you, you know, uh, um, uh, attempting to try to speak about it and understanding it may not go well. It doesn't go well. You have to hear the Holy Spirit on his timing because I've had the Lord tell me to stay in places that were doing something wrong. And the Lord told me, I want you to stay in there for six months. 
and I'll reward you down the road for it. I didn't ask him why I did it. It was the most uncomfortable six months in my life, but I knew I was obeying God. So it wasn't hard. That was, I had that same thing to happen, but it was the most uncomfortable three years of my life. So yeah, 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 yeah. But he has sure rewarded me. I ain't lying. I mean, it's been yeah, a yeah. big reward. Yeah, praise God. That's what it's all about. Governmental elders were set in the church and that's vital. That's what we have to understand. You can't skip those parts of the Bible just because it's not in your promise book. <laughs> you know, governmental elders were set in the church. These elders make a, the presbytery, even in Antioch, they had a presbytery. A presbytery of the New Testament was unique. It was powerful. It was special. I mean, 1 Timothy 4.14, we see them referring to, you received a gifting. You didn't have one, and this particular thing, and we laid hands on you and it activated in you. And maybe it was in you already and just became activated, which that's one of the power of the prophetic and apostolic in the higher office you get. You can prophesy over it. I've found at times, <laughs> I should say it towards me. I should say it in general. Um, I have seen um, guys who walk in, in a certain levels of the prophetic when they even prophesy simply over someone, it awakens something in. And they didn't even speak over that thing. They can't help it. That's why these guys that focus so hard on, you know, you come up here and I will open that thing. You can't, you can't guarantee that. That's the part you can't guarantee. Anyway, I got to keep going. The presbytery of the New Testament was so powerful that, that the presbytery served a vital function. You know, they, in the, they laid hands on people. They sent them into various fields of labor and departments. They organized training. Uh, the teams helped bring up the administration and the right operations of what was prophetically announced into being. And why this is important, see, we see them going out two by twos, and we say, well, I've heard scholars say this before. I mean, fake ones, <laughs> really liberal ones. They'll say, well, they went out two by two because of safety in that time. But see, when you read the old writings, you understand very clearly they went out because they felt like that iron would sharpen iron. Like one person would see one thing, the other one then could bounce off of that. One could pray, another one could watch the surroundings. One could talk to somebody else if they were bothering them. And I mean, they they weren't thinking. They're thinking the team thing is how we can be more effective to move forward. It had nothing to do with who's in charge, who's not in charge. They weren't thinking about that. They were thinking about the mission and executing the mission perfectly. And if they had to overlap and help each other, then they overlapped and helped each other. I mean, that wasn't even a thought. That's, that's you know, normal, standard operating procedure, SOP, you know. But anyway, so we have to notice also that the maturity you know, uh, 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 of the church, you know, in whole that we see later in the scriptures is they're separating, they're praying, they're sending people out from among them. Uh, the people built up the church um, and they worked in groups and teams. They saturated from the teams. They had home groups or cells or whatever you want to call them. They didn't, I don't know what term they used at the house churches, whatever, that were linked to the whole. And it was up to that house church to raise up and care for those people and report back to their overseeing elders and deacons 
the, the health of their people, the state of their flock, what was going on in the situation. So I love that. That's beautiful. They were people who built the church by continually giving themselves to growth and progression. If we don't get people again in our pews and in our cities, I mean, I'm not talking about everybody in the church that is committed to growth and progression. I mean, what's going to happen is everybody's going to wait until hell is basically looking them straight in the eyeballs and they're going to go, oh, shoot, we better do something. What should we do? Well, I remember preachers said we need to, <clears throat> too late. I'm just like, slow, slow. But the Bible tells us there's going to be people like that. But there's also going to be people that go down kicking. And I just pray the Lord give me a strength and the grace to be a kicker. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were, okay. And, 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 and another thing I'll say here is, you have to understand that is is the teams. I mean, think about every detail of that of the birth of Jesus. Think about all the prophecies. There was so many prophecies given. They were so extensive. I mean, I remember seeing one day, but they said like Vegas odds, and, and it was like it was it was, just, it was crazy. It was like it was impossible, you know, to to even to even hit those odds in any calculable way that we had. But they did. They were met to the to the very, you know, what is it, dotting of the, if they sentence or crossing of the T. And so we have to understand all of these things were divinely designed and programmed to work on our behalf to get us where we need to get to. Hallelujah. I'm just excited about it because the people gave themselves to growth and progression. They said, it's up to us. We received the salvation that Jesus gave because he loved the world and he loved us so much. So this is my part in what I give back unto him, which is a, a small thing. I and mean, we said, well, your whole life you give to him. But I'm talking about specifically on purpose, living a life to grow and progress the kingdom of God. Does it cross your mind every day? that I need to grow or progress. Well, I don't get out like you do. I don't live a big, do you have a friend in your cowboy town of 35 that you can go have a cup of coffee with or go help them pluck whatever uh, weeds out of the garden with and, and whatever. Cause people always bring up these ice. I'm like, you ain't the only one out there, baby. You ain't, the, you're not living out there, not talking to nobody. You're up on your video screen or something with somebody. Talk to people, you know, grow, grow your household, do something, because these are the things that draw heaven and open more heaven to earth. If we just sit here and do nothing, then we're subjected to whatever politicians do or don't do and whatever hell does or doesn't do. We're just sitting there just tossed by the wind. And that's not God's intention for the church. Hallelujah. And that's definitely not the way to start your new year. No, no. You know, God has new things for us. He has new beginnings for us. He has new new advances for us. He has new starts for us. He has restarts for us. I mean, we have got to see 
the beginning of the year. Well, I don't think it means nothing. I ain't big. I'm not superstitious. I'm not asking you to be superstitious. I'm talking to you to go into this year in faith and believe God that this is a year of change and growth and progression and that you're going to live it differently. At least set, well, I probably won't keep it anyway. Do it anyway. Set off and set your goals and move towards them. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. And yes, we we do. We want you to do just what Apostle Barry said, because I know that that's what's happening in my life. There are so many new things that I am looking forward to. And I'm, I'm going out this year. I'm going out with them in me. And I know that they will explode as I go. And I look forward to working with you more and more in the new year. So uh, we want to let you know that you have a blessed, uh, powerful new year. And, and just, just be what you're, just be, just be the kingdom of God. Just be what you're to be. And we'll see you next year when we're here uh, to tell it, like, uh, to still telling it like it is. We're not going to flake out. We're not going to, we're not going to soften it. In fact, it's going to get deeper and harder. So get ready, get ready get, uh, uh, to, you know, prepare yourself to not be a, a, a pansy but to, to be what God has called you to be. Bye-bye. <laughs>